I'm Logan Bishop from Belmont University, and you're listening to Higher Ed Social, part of the Connect EDU network. Yeah, so it's snowing there. Yeah. Um, how long has it been snowing? Like, how many inches are you guys supposed to get? Uh, I don't know, like three to five, maybe. I feel like the forecasts are always pretty, like, you know, pretty somewhere between like three to eight is like what they say. And that's like a big difference. Like three inches of snow is much different than eight inches of snow. But y- it yes. usually ends up being somewhere in the middle. But this is like our first big storm of the year. We really haven't had any snow uh, at all this winter, which is pretty unusual for central Pennsylvania um, to be like in the mid to late January, not really had any snow on the ground yet. I'm wearing shorts right now. Which, <laughs> oh, jealous. Which, well, here's the thing though. That is weird for here. Um, the, yeah, high to- yeah. the high today is like 60, which oh, wow. um, I mean, that's probably not shorts weather for most people, but you know, pants are overrated. Um, <laughs> So were you that were you that kid in in high school or middle school or whatever that like no matter how cold it got you always wore shorts? No, no, I wasn't. Um, <laughs> I only I only wear shorts like there's like a there's a line and the line's about sixty degrees. Like mm-hmm. if it's like sixty, then I'll wear long sleeves and shorts. But oh, that's, um, that's a good compromise. I feel it like. is a good compromise. Um, but once it drops below that, then I'm a little. I'm a little either uncomfortable of people judging me and at the same time, a little uncomfortable because I'm cold. So, um, so that's generally how it works for me, but here, like, you know, you know, I do social media at Belmont and, you know, for like years, I did like the frozen fountain shot the first day of school. Oh, that's right. You were saying that in uh, the the episode with Brendan. I was just listening to you talking about that and had been, it was warm in North Carolina too, where, where Brendan is. Yeah. And it's just so weird, but here's the great thing. It's going to be below freezing tomorrow for the first time. Actually, no, it's like the second time. Um, We, we did drop below freezing in November and got a slight, slight dusting of snow but but i i don't anticipate any snow anymore right um, i mean right it was literally 75 degrees this time last week so hmm. yeah so uh, without asking you to like peel back the curtain too much so well like does the fountain actually freeze every year or do, is it just like the same frozen fountain shot from like the one year that it did freeze I believe in relevant, timely, and actually true content. <laughs> um, um, I, I would not post, you know, f- first snow, you know, when it's like 70 degrees yeah, outside, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. four days yeah. after. Not saying that there are any accounts on Twitter that would do that. Oh, but, yeah. Right. But, you know, there are, and they probably shouldn't do that. Um, right. In my professional opinion, as a social media professional. Um, <laughs> but anyway, um, as far as that goes, yeah, I only post a fr- frozen fountain shot when there's a frozen fountain. Oh. And sadly, there are no frozen fountains right now. We might have a little bit because it's going to drop to about 20. So that means mm-hmm. there might be icicles on the fountain. Mm. And we have... Yeah. 
we have like five fountains on campus. So um, the big one's not going to freeze because it's the water's moving too much. It do, that mm. doesn't freeze until it drops below zero. Oh, um, okay. And then we have like the bigger, one of the bigger front fountains. Then we have another one down by our event center. And then we have two more. So yeah, they, they'll um, like one by the bell tower. That's the one that'll probably freeze the most because it's the smallest and the water mm, doesn't move That as makes much. sense. So, so anyway, well, we talked about like winter for a while now. Um, so I'm here with Jenna and I'm going to let her kind of introduce herself because, you know, we should probably get started with the show. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Logan. Uh, my name is Jenna Spinelli. Uh, I am the communication specialist for the McCourtney Institute for Democracy at Penn State and also uh, the host of a podcast called Democracy Works, which I am very lucky to get to make the show as part of my job. That is awesome. I'm pretty sure I've actually heard of that podcast and actually listened to a few episodes. Oh, that's um, awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah, uh, it might have had something to do with Case. I think you guys submitted it to Case. Oh, that's how I, yep, yep. That's, that's how right. I found out about it. So, um, so yeah, yay, Case Awards. Um, but yeah, I really enjoyed it. That was a that was a great one, especially right now. Um, yeah, I, I, that's actually like kind of part of the reason we decided to start the show. So, like, I did not come into my job thinking I would be working on a podcast. Um, my <laughs> co-hosts, uh, who are also my bosses, we could talk about if you want what it's like to co-host a show with your bosses. It's an interesting dynamic. Actually, um, yeah, that would be. I, I am super <laughs> curious because I've only ever hosted the show with friends of yeah. equal status that are mostly far away. Um, uh-huh. except for, except for Blankenship, John Blankenship was, oh, uh, yeah. um, he, he is a, a, a few blocks away on Vanderbilt's campus. In fact, mm-hmm. I ran with him today and he says, hi everyone, but, but <laughs> yes, um, uh, ran nine miles with Blankenship today. So that was fun. But anyway, um, speaking of, you know, co-hosts, what, what mm-hmm. is it like to, what is that? I mean, that is an interesting dynamic. Yeah. So thankfully, um, well, first of all, they're great. And uh, they've really kind of let me run with with a lot of aspects of the show. Like I have final say over what what goes out or what doesn't. Um, So every episode is is broken down into three segments. Um, Michael and Chris, who are my bosses slash co-hosts, they do an introduction, they frame whatever we're talking about that week and how it ties to democracy. They both have PhDs, they're professors, very, very smart individuals. Um, So they kind of introduce it, set it up, and then there's an interview segment, which I do the interviews um, with a different guest every week, some on campus, some not. Uh, and then Michael and Chris come back at the end to reflect and analyze and kind of tie back in that central theme of democracy. So um, we're not really all on the mic together very often, um, but we are all in in the room together. Uh, they listen in to all the interviews so they can hear what's ta- what what we're talking about with the guests. They'll they'll usually chime in with with a question or two that are things that I never would have thought of. I mean, I'm not. My background is in journalism, not democracy or political science or any of these things. So, uh, you know, they they tend to just have a different angle on things. So I'm I'm really happy to have their their feedback and their their input and their their questions. But um, they leave all the the editing to me. 
Uh, we produce the show in partnership with our local NPR station here in central oh. Pennsylvania, um, which just happens to be down the road from campus. Um, so that worked out really well. Um, but yeah, I have kind of final say uh, over what the final edit of the show looks like. And then the team at WPSU, which is the station, they provide some editorial oversight as well because the, the show does go out. Um, it's like up on the NPR website and all that stuff. So it's, uh, it's available at NPR one too, isn't it? It is. Yep. Yep. See, that's one of those fun facts that I, for whatever reason, knew. Um, yeah. No, that's, that's great. And I, I like, I don't know. I, um, have yet to really dive into NPR. I don't find it to be like the most user-friendly app. If you have like any NPR one pro tips, I would love to hear them, <laughs> like how to actually find stuff or what to, I don't know. I just don't find it to be the most intuitive app to use. The thing is with NPR one is I just turn it on and it just kind of does its thing. Mm. And, um, and then it, it, then it tries to play like, like, it'll be like, Oh, you like, you like politics. I mean, you're going to listen to uh -huh. NPR politics podcast. I was like, already listened to that next. Mm. Mm -hmm. Um, and then now it thinks I hate politics. Oh, um, so, so um, our show probably doesn't come up in your feed. I mean, you probably like to get to our show, you had to probably go through like dozens, if not like hundreds of other podcasts to get to ours. I would think before you like. Whatever, I just, whatever, um, I just did it the old fashioned way. I just opened it up in overcast because that's kind oh, of like the one that I uh -huh. use. Um, I use NPR one just because, man, I get to listen to my local, my local NPR station, which uh -huh. I know a lot of NPR stations aren't like ours. Um, they have a full on news division that, you know, gives us local news all the time. And they tend uh -huh. to, we're the only... Um, we're the only NPR station with a news like thing, I think, in the state. Oh. And oh. like Kentucky, I don't know. I don't know if Kentucky has one, but they may not. And I know some of the states around us, like Mississippi and Alabama, I'm not sure if they have them either. Uh -huh. um, I don't know. They say me, they tell me all this stuff during the fundraising drive, and oh, yeah. I forget it. Yeah, um, no, and I, you know, I bet there's some pretty good music too. Being being in Nashville and all, there's probably some pretty good music programming on your, oh, your local station. Well, the, that's the fun thing. We actually have um, WPLN. Actually, is two stations. So we have ninety point three, which is like news and information, and then there's another one that I can't remember that is like classical and music. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's it's pretty interesting, and they have a bunch of podcasts their uh their news director emily signer is really awesome um and uh fun to talk to on twitter i've had some conversations with her before so she's um she's pretty cool and uh i, I don't know i've really enjoyed you know listening to them and and I, I believe they're well supported they seem to hit their goal mm -hmm. early every time so mm -hmm. so um yeah, and I do give them money every other year, something like that. Um, but because um, I do really care about what they do, and it's really important. Um, but that's a, that's the interesting thing is, um, you know, podcasts have like consumed my life. Um, so I don't listen to NPR quite as much as I used to, um, because I have like a thousand news podcasts that I listen to that are daily. Yeah. 
Yeah, um, there's like not enough time to listen to to all the podcasts and listen to the radio and read all the books. So, uh, you know, I can't really listen to podcasts while I work if I'm if I'm writing something. I just need to to be able to to concentrate. Um, and you know, I one of the things about doing our show is I read every book. You know, if, if we're having a guest on that like has a, a book that they're going to be talking about, I read the book, which sometimes can be like a book a week, which is which is a lot. And these aren't like, you know, romance novels. They're like pretty, you know, definitely nonfiction. Some are more academic than others. But it, I feel like I've like gotten a Ph.D. in political science as a That's result rough. of reading all this stuff on the show. Um, I mean, it's it's all really interesting, but just from a from a time perspective, like sometimes after doing that all day, like I don't want to like listen to another like heavy kind of podcast. You know, I just want to put on some music, like unplug my brain for a little bit. And see, that's why higher ed social exists. You get your higher mm -hmm. ed, but like we totally aren't serious at all. Yeah. Uh, I yeah, mean, sometimes yeah. we are. Sometimes we are. We did kind of talk some in depth this week about poverty um, and student success. But, mm. but, you know, that was what we talked about. Mm -hmm. um, but, but I, I don't know. Um, I, I know exactly how you feel. Like sometimes I just can't. Um, anymore. Um, and, and that's why I've decided to go, you know, go back to, you know, lighthearted stuff like, you know, Robert Jordan's Wheel of Time. What is that? Uh, so that's, uh, it's a book series. Um, oh, okay. And I have like all the audiobooks for it. Um, and well, the books are very thick. Um, this is like Tolkien kind of stuff. Um, uh, okay. Like, it makes Game of Thrones look short and sweet. Oh, um, okay. Well, just take the first book. Um, and I'm just going to compare audiobook links. The entire Chronicles of Narnia, which is like all the Chronicles of Narnia books, uh -huh. right? Um, they're about 35 hours long to listen to all of them. That's a lot. Yeah, that's um, an investment. The first book of Wheel of Time, which is not the longest. It's kind of in the middle is 29 hours long. Um, is, is it all read by the same person? The same no, narrator? no, we have, there are two narrators, um, one for the female perspective and one from the male perspective because uh, the main characters split up and, you know, we hear from different perspectives. So it's very interesting. It, it doesn't get old. And I guess that's part of why I couldn't listen to Game of Thrones um, or Lord of the Rings. Um, um, but I can listen to Witcher because the Witcher's um, narrator just has a really cool British accent, and it, mm. it it's really awesome. Um, if you if you do want to read the Witcher books, if you do like you know that Netflix series, um, I can tell you, it's pretty close to the books, not exactly, but pretty close. Um, and the audiobooks for Witcher are awesome. So you know, take a listen. It's a it's a New York Times bestseller for the twenty seven uh -huh. years after it was released. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> so um so it's actually a really good book series if you like fantasy um it's kind of i, I don't know but uh, uh wheel of time is just uh it's interesting but just like heavy um mm, in mm -hmm. a in a there's a whole lot of world building kind of oh okay heavy. So um, do you find it like easier to follow some of that stuff in an audiobook versus reading a a printed book Yes, because it's always interesting to hear 
the narrator's interpretation of what a person sounds like, mm. right? So um, a great example is um, the Expeditionary Force series, which is a space opera, military, science fiction kind of thing. Um, reading the books, it was funny. Like, I'm reading it and, you know, it's good. But then I got the audiobook and I listened to it and it's freaking hilarious. <laughs> And, and it's just the narr- it's R.C. Bray. Um, he actually won um, an Audi or Webby or whatever, whatever uh-huh. the award is for podcaster people, not podcaster people, but audiobook people. Like he won it for The Martian. And he's just, uh, and The Martian's a great book. Right. Um, right. Um, the movie being almost exactly what the book is. So it's, it's, it's just really awesome. Um, he's a great narrator and I've just enjoyed his voice. Like it's, huh. it's, it's a cool voice and I like him specifically in that series. Um, but you know, I actually sometimes will listen to audiobooks by the same narrator because I like the narrator. Mm. Um, yeah. So, so you might have not have had any interest in the book otherwise, but you're like, Oh, well, I like the way this person reads. So I'll give it a shot. Yeah. And don't get me wrong. I do listen to books based off of author too, but mm-hmm. like, you know, um, sometimes you just enjoy hearing the voice of the person that, you know, you like. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so I have to say, like, I have not really listened to a whole lot of audiobooks. There, there was a point in time, but you know, you're, you're inspiring me to maybe pick it back up again, like go on, go back through my podcast library and find a code for audible and like put in, you know, promo code crooked or something. <laughs> you don't have to put um, in a promo code. Um, I know everybody says have the first audiobook on us, but uh-huh. you get a you get a free month, like no matter what you do. <laughs> so we talked about podcasts a lot. What about the rest of your job? Yeah. So um, you know I'm I'm pretty much a comms team of one for the McCourtney Institute. So I handle you know promoting the speakers we bring to campus. Mm-hmm. Um, we we bring a lot of. Uh, journalists and like media figures, um, which they've all been really cool to to get to meet and like hang out and spend the day with like people that I've watched on Bill Maher or heard on NPR or you know seen other places. I actually get to meet them and and uh, and uh, hang out with them, which is pretty cool. Um, the institute also runs a fellowship program mm-hmm. for undergrads. So we provide um, funding for internships at organizations that support democracy. There's a whole network out there that I didn't even realize before I started this job of people that are working on reforming gerrymandering and mm-hmm. getting money out of politics and um, working to improve voter access, all these kind of things. And um, you know, a lot of these groups are small, they're nonprofits, so um, they often can't pay for interns. So we're yeah. able to, to help them out that way. Um, we have you know, various faculty research and things that, that, that we promote. Uh, we do our own poll. Um, so yeah, there's, there's lots to do. Um, and <laughs> we're, starting a, we're starting a podcast network. Uh, That's exciting. Spring, which is exciting. Yeah, it's uh, going to be our show and uh, about eight others um, from, from across the country, um, that are all kind of about democracy, civic engagement, civil discourse. Um, we're working with, uh, JMU and the McCain Institutes and, uh, the German Marshall Funds, um, a couple of other organizations. So, and, and plus some independent podcasters as well. I've heard, so it's, I've heard it's that. exciting. You know, that's one of those things that I've always kind of wished I had was a politics podcast, but at the same time, 
It's tricky. Yeah. It's it's real tricky. I mean, especially, you know, as as a university, we can't really take a side or take a stand for any one candidate or any one party. So we try to like take a step back and look at like the big picture, like not who's up or who's down in the polls, but how does the government work? Why are things the way they are? What can we all do to be more engaged in our democracy and be a better citizen? And that applies whether you're a Republican, Democrat, Libertarian, whatever. There are things that you know we can all do to make our collective shared system of government better. Well, that is a that is a great thing to try for sure um i don't know i sorry i'm i'm not uh i'm not trying to i don't know i'm just jaded right now yeah no it's it, it's easy to become cynical for sure um oh i can but, imagine especially considering the stuff that you have to deal with how do you how do you not become cynical how's that i think that's a you know i we're kind of winding down a little bit but you know if you have any thoughts on that um you know, how do you how do you not go crazy um, running a, uh, you know, a podcast about democracy? <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, so I, I take solace in a lot of the work that I see organizations doing. And I mean, we really started the podcast because after the 2016 election, there was a renewed interest in democracy and maybe like the sense that like, we had taken things for granted for too long and people are getting engaged in, in ways that they never had. You know, we had record voter turnout for the midterms in, in 2018. It was something like 1914 was, I think like the last time turnout was, was at the, at the same rate. And that was before women had the right to vote. So it's not really even apples to apples. So I think we're going to see like record turnout again in November Mm -hmm. Um, so I, I'm kind of inspired by that and by, um, you, you, you have to kind of put the horse racy stuff aside. And, and I mean, truth be told, I don't really even follow like the candidates and, and all that stuff super closely. I'm more, you know, these days I, I'm thinking a lot more about like these big picture issues and like, okay, what is, you know, what's going to happen with the census this year? Like no one's really talking about that right now because we're all so caught up in like the debate and like which candidates up and what's Trump tweeting about these days. Um, so trying to like shine some light on those things is, is something that I think keeps all of us going. You know, that is perfect to end on. Perfect. Good. Um, so thanks, Jenna, for joining us this week. Oh, sure. Thanks for having me. Listeners, head down to higher and get links to the stuff we talked about today and subscribe to the show anywhere you listen to podcasts. If you like the show, please consider giving us a review on Apple Podcasts. It, it helps people find us and it lets us know what you think of the show. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at ATS Podcasts. Send us a tweet. We love talking to you. And don't forget to let us know if you want to be on the show. Jenna did that. That's how she got on the show. So you should do it too. Um, Higher Ed Social was created by Jackie Petrano and me, Logan Bishop, and is produced by the amazing Emma Hawes. We're part of the ConnectEDU network, the first podcast network for higher education. Visit the website connectedu.network and subscribe to some awesome shows no matter where you work on campus. Thanks, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>